Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech on your terms. And now on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. I'm very excited about our guest today, and for all you founders out there, you'll want to listen up. Michelle Bonahum is the founder of Vision One High Performance Group. She's passionate about working with mid-market business owners to increase their value in preparation for sales, strategic acquisitions, and transferring to the next generation of leadership. Through Vision One, she has worked with over 100 different companies as they prepare for key critical transitions, and she's also a managing partner of a family-owned private equity company focused on acquiring and driving value with an integrated portfolio of manufacturing-related acquisitions and investments. You know, over the past 20 years, Michelle has done some incredible things, but there's a personal backstory here, and that's what we're going to dive into today. She blew me away with her pivot story. Just when she thought her out-of-control work-life imbalance could not get worse, it did in a really big way. By anchoring in what was truly important to her, by knowing what she really wanted, Michelle was able to convert tragic loss into multiple thriving businesses, great relationships with her teens, and a healthy weight loss of uh, over 100 pounds. Join us in this conversation about powering through adversity, finding the bounds you crave, and showing up in a powerful, authentic way that plays to your strengths, even in a male-dominated culture. So today I have with me Michelle Bonahum, and she's from the Vision One High Performance Group, specializes in a lot of very impactful, high-performance mergers and acquisitions consulting to companies, and I am so excited to have you on the show today to speak with our women in tech. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We have a lot to talk about, both as women who've worked a lot in male-dominated industries I wonder if you'd just start off with us and kind of tell us a little bit about your journey, your path that brought you to the place that you are today. Yeah. So I started out as an entrepreneur very young. I was actually 23 when I started my first company, thought I knew a lot about leadership. And after about 18 months, had 35 employees and realized I knew nothing about leadership. And so after going through a journey of just working crazy hours and my marriage being challenged and you know, struggling to start a family and then manage a family. We sold that company in 2005 prior to the real estate crash. It was a real estate related company. So it was a good time to sell. And I decided to come alongside of business owners and business leaders 
to really help them navigate critical transitions in a way where they didn't have to make a lot of the same mistakes I did. And so since then, I, that's when I started Vision One High Performance Group, and I've been coming alongside of business leaders and owners and helping them navigate critical transitions, whether it's growing their business, buying and selling, transitioning to the next generation of leadership, or just simply making sure they have the right organizational culture in place. And so I've been particularly excited about coming alongside of female business owners and business leaders because, you know, I grew up in manufacturing and grew up in mergers and acquisitions, which are both very much male dominated industries. So there's the connection too with our audience because tech, big tech especially is highly male dominated. And for the women that are in our audience listening, you know, there are going to be a lot of parallels. Anytime a woman is working as the only and lonely in a male dominated industry, we have something in common, right? Right. So tell us a little bit about the life lessons that you kind of picked up along the way. Starting at 23 with your first business is pretty young. Yeah. I mean, I learned early on about servant leadership, which was is a huge foundation of who I am. How do I go in and really understand the people that I'm serving, the customers that I'm serving, and then serve them in a way that that adds value. And so that's been, a, you know, my background has really been around organizational and positive psychology and how to really bring out the best in people. And then from that, I marry lots of best practices around business and being able to accelerate the growth of your business. And so my journey has really been learning that practically and through lots of education and training along the way. It really was solidified for me a little over two and a half years ago. You know, for the last 15 years, I've been helping business owners navigate critical transitions, but I found myself in my own critical transition. I found that I was a consultant that was burnt out. I was tired. I didn't know how to manage. I have four kids and came home one night in September of 2017 and just said, I need to reset myself. I'm not practicing what I'm preaching to all of these business leaders and was looking forward to spending some time with my husband and kind of resetting our life that weekend. The next day I went, had a full day of work. And I remember leaving work and saying, at least it can't get any worse than this. And so I came home and I sat in the car and of course did one last call before I went in and and started dinner and navigating the kids and their school and everything. And suddenly my daughter came out and frantically and said, come quick. And I walked in and I just knew that something had shifted. And in that moment, I found that my husband had unexpectedly passed away from undiagnosed heart disease. And so in a moment, life got much worse. And so I've suddenly found that I was a widowed mother of three teenagers and a preteen. I had two businesses that were not ready for me to step out in any fundamental way. They really needed me. I was 315 pounds. I had seven diagnoses and I was on five medications. And so I needed all I could do in that moment was to turn to everything that I had taught over the last 13 years around how to navigate critical change and how to really grab onto what's important. And so I turned to the same process that I brought hundreds of leaders through and companies through. And in less than 18 months, I was able to lose 100 pounds. I was able to improve the relationships with my kids. They're the best they've ever been. I was able to get off all of my medications 
and my businesses were thriving. And so I recognized that there really was some power in taking some intentional focus towards living a life of purpose and then taking the right steps towards that. Wow. What a brutal reset. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you know what that shows us? I mean, all of us have those moments. I mean, I've heard stories of women who've had those kinds of life-changing jolts. And I can't even imagine how hard that would be. But then to have you turn and I guess, apply the same things that you're teaching others. So essentially, you know, paying attention to your own, you know, what do you call it? Dog fooding your own message. (laughs) We call it at Microsoft when we, you know, we had to eat our own dog food. We had to live with our software before we rolled it out the door. So, but that's not easy. That is not easy to take the things that you can do coaching others and then apply them to yourself and actually do them. What was the critical mind shift that you had to make to make that happen? Yeah, the biggest thing I can remember, I was sitting and grieving with a trusted advisor in my life. And he said, Michelle, you need to first start by focusing on what's important. Why are you even navigating? Why are you even getting up in the morning? And it helped me to realize that ultimately my mission, you know, my mission statement that was on my website and everything was to bring out the gold and others in a way that they're inspired to make change themselves. And so I knew that I needed to get healthy for my kids. I needed to be a role model. And this was a huge opportunity to really, truly live and practice what I preach for my clients and for their employees and their communities. And so I immediately went through, I had 20 years of journals that I went through and I pulled out every promise that I had written down over my life. I pulled out every dream that I had. I even pulled out the dreams that, that my late husband and I had pulled together and, and our bucket list that we had pulled together. We went away every year and had planned what we wanted for our life. And I decided that those were going to be my foundation and that through that, I was going to make sure that I navigated through anything. And, and so that was the start for me. And then it was a matter of really looking at what mindsets needed to change. And then from there, what do I need to start doing differently? I obviously had to readjust life to be able to, to come beside four kids that were grieving and two businesses that weren't ready for me to step away and then also focus on my own health journey. And so I had to make some changes in life, but it wasn't until I really refocused on my why and understood who I was meant to be that I was able to have the right foundation to be able to make the change. That's so interesting that your your focus that really got you turned around and focused on you was your focus on others. Exactly. Yeah. Which was my mission in the first place, right? Yeah. So when we live through through our mission and our purpose in life, everything becomes easy. I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, yeah, there were some definitely challenging times walking through this complete upheaval in my life. But looking back on the, that first 18 months, and now it's been about two and a half years, it hasn't been that difficult in reality, because I was able to anchor in in what was important to me. You stepped into, I call it your sacred contract. Yes. Yeah. And you, you stepped into it absolutely 100%. Yeah. So you wrote a book, Unstoppable, 
And I'm guessing that a lot of the life lessons that you've experienced and learned over the years are in that book. Yeah, yeah. Unstoppable is meant to be a guided journey. It's not meant to pick up and read over a couple hour period and sit down. It really is a guided journey. And so I take readers through that journey with my own stories and stories of our clients, because it's really the change model that we've used for 15 years to help individuals, businesses, and communities navigate critical change. And so those fundamental steps are no different, but sometimes we just need to have somebody or a set of resources come alongside of us and guide us along the way. So that's what Unstoppable is for. I picked up a copy of it. I have to say, I really resonated a lot with what you have to offer in there. And there were a few things I picked out I was hoping we could sort of touch on during our time together today, because I think it's going to resonate a lot with the women in tech community based on some of the things that I've encountered with them as we've worked together in our coaching practice. Is that okay with you? Let me step into that. (laughs) Any opportunity to serve women leaders, (laughs) I'm for it. (laughs) Let's start with the big 800 pound gorilla right now, because you talk in the section, you have, I think, seven It's got a lot of alliteration in it, seven P's, right? Yes. And so I'll just go through them quickly here. Passion, purpose, principles, practices, proficiencies, platform, and performance. And each one of those has just so many good nuggets in it. The one on platform, I want to pull something out of there that we can talk about right now because it's really relevant for women in general who are working outside the home and are now in the work from home There's so much loaded in that phrase, (laughs) but now in the work from home, you talk in in the section on platform, you talk about how important culture, support, and accountability are. And it was already kind of tough, I think, for women in very male-dominated industries who were going into the office and working because we all know that everybody has their first shift and their second shift that are now all munged together into the mega super unworkable shift. You know, this whole idea about support and accountability, and I know I'm catching you with this. So we're going to kind of riff on this one live. Awesome. But <laughs> what's your perspective on that? I mean, speaking to this group of women, how would you share your perspective on this new work from home reality? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think it's important, like, so platform itself is really around how do you have the right environment to be able to allow you to sustain the change that you need to have? And then how do you surround yourself with the right tools and resources and accountability partners to be able to help you to sustain that change? And so really, you know, the change that us as women are going through right now is, you know, I'm, I'm here recording actually in my bedroom because I needed to give up my office because my basement flooded right before COVID. And so half my kids needed to move upstairs and they're right outside the door trying to figure out school and chores and whatnot. And so we live in this, you know, where, where previously we could maybe go to the office. Now we're needing to kind of play different roles in the same place. And so platform is about kind of taking a look at that and saying, what environment do we need to set up that is going to make my change successful? And so for us, it was, you know, me moving my office into my bedroom and allowing the kids to be able to have their own space in my old office. It was kind of setting some structure around the times that they're on school because I need to have good internet connection. It was 
you know, kind of level setting what are the roles now in this new season that they need to play when mama's working. And then what's the indicator to them that mama's got her mama hat on. And so really just kind of setting the stage for success in whatever change that you're needing to make. And then making sure you have the right accountability and support to come alongside. And so I really needed to look at now in this new season, what do I need to do differently to make sure that my kids do get the education they need? Because typically I'm back to back all day long on client calls. And so how can I get them resources to be able to help them be successful so I'm not worrying about it while I'm on the phone? Or, you know, how do I structure my day so that I can make sure to really embrace the opportunity of this season of working from home? And so really taking stock in your environment and making sure you're setting yourself up for success. That sounds amazing. And I think that I'm wondering a little bit how that helps you to be a business owner. I mean, you're the owner of the business, right? You still have clients you need to satisfy. Any thoughts for women who are feeling a lot of pressure to conform to the level of work standard and everything else that they had before in an environment where they already, I think, felt like they had to work twice as hard as the guys, Yeah. right? in order just to hold their own. I hear that just way too often. Yeah. It's that kind of an environment. I know I did that when I was in big tech. So any additional thoughts about that for them? Yeah. You know, for me, first of all, I grew up with all brothers. I grew up in manufacturing and my business has been primarily manufacturing and mergers and acquisitions and finance. And so a lot of really male dominated I really have learned to not make it relevant, the male-female divide, rather to show up with that servant leader heart, which is my foundation. I tell women leaders all the time, you know, really three things, give through your strengths. So find what you're really good at and focus on giving through that. Receive through your weaknesses. So be willing. And this is hard for women to be able to say, I can't do this and I can't do it all, but to really find those areas that you know, a lot of times women are good at things, but they're great at very few. And we try to even take on the things we're good at because we can. And so I really challenge women to think about that and say, what are you good at that you can give up? And what are the things you're not good at at all you can give up? And how can you receive through those? And then finally, you know, how do you serve through your fears? So whatever you're afraid of, how can you go give that to somebody else? And if you follow those kind of three principles, you really lose sight of that male-female divide or that pressure or need to be able to show up as more than. It's such a trap because it's really an impossibility, isn't it? It is. It is. (laughs) It's so easy to try to believe that if we work twice or three times as hard, that somehow we're going to make up some kind of a deficit. And what you're describing there is a completely different like strategy. It's sort of like a, you know, martial arts strategy of using your strengths and playing to the weakness in a way that makes it not a weakness anymore. Yeah. I love that. And I I love this and I still lived it last night. I had a big thing with my kids where, you know, they want me to be mom and dad and provider and keep the house up. And I'm like, I can't do this. We need to sit down and we need to talk about what am I good at? What are you kids good at? 
what are we not good at and how do we make this work? And so, you know, I think women just really have a tendency to try to do it all and serve everybody's needs. And that doesn't serve anybody in the end. I hope everybody took notes on that one. I wish I had you speaking that into my life about 20 years ago. (laughs) That's when I was in the thick of all of this. So in your book, you're really talking about you change, as you mentioned, and all of those seven areas about change and making change stick, making change that matters and making it last. And you talk a little bit about the conflict. So let's just go back to, we know that something needs to change. Let's say that we have a woman in the in the tech workplace and she's she sees that there has to be an adjustment made, that there has to be something changing in the environment, in the platform, in order to make a more supportive and sustainable culture that will benefit everybody. When that kind of change is introduced, you mentioned that conflict is often what results. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Can you talk about that with some advice about what to do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I tend to be driven towards change. I love change. I'm wired for it. And so it it isn't as hard for me to face that conflict. But, you know, a majority of over 70% of the population is wired to not necessarily want to embrace change because of the fear of lack of safety and security. But the reality is, is in order for something to change or in order for anything to grow, something needs to die. And so there need, there has to be conflict in order for us to, to grow or to get to the next level or to accomplish our change. And so, you know, I focus on first, what is that healthy level of conflict that's going to allow you to grow And then what are the unhealthy levels of conflict that maybe will prevent or stifle growth? And so, you know, I think one of it is, you know, assessing, am I ready for this change? And then looking at what are some of those conflicts that might lead to progress and growth and and change versus the ones that'll shut you down. So for example, a lot of the ones that I see women leaders in is just being able to speak up and have a voice. Sometimes that speaking up and having a voice can cause conflict. But by having that powerful voice and being willing to be in that place where I maybe don't feel safe and secure, it might give me a level of authority that allows for me to have a voice in another area or have a voice as that change furthers. And so are you willing to step into that place that feels like conflict to know that that's going to take you to the next level? So Stepping into the conflict, I think one of the things you and I chatted about very briefly is that there are people who are very expansive in their, you know, the space they take up in a room. Like, you know, it's the second somebody walks in the room and they like, I wouldn't say suck all the air out of the room, but they definitely take up a lot of energetic space. And for us to hold our energetic space in those kinds of encounters is... itself feels like a conflict. Right. Right. Doesn't it? And, you know, the one thing that I try to tell women, don't shrink, like don't, Brene Brown has this slogan, uh, don't puff up, don't shrink, stand your sacred ground. And (laughs) (laughs) I do too. Standing your sacred ground, but holding your space in the face of somebody who is really encroaching in that space. That's the almost by design, if not by intention, 
then don't shrink. Like, how do you hold your ground? Yeah, I think it's important to know who you are and how you're wired because I'm going to hold my ground differently than you might hold your ground. So for me, I am a very direct and dominant person. So for me, holding my ground is to kind of pause and to listen and to to not try to speak too quickly because I would have a tendency to come off as being too forceful. Whereas somebody who's maybe wired opposite of me is going to be a little bit more quiet. They maybe need to create a place of safety inside of themselves so that they can feel comfortable speaking up. And so, you know, it really depends on how you're wired and being able to adapt that to meet the needs of that audience or meet the needs of that situation. Yeah. What I hear you saying is so important. You have to do it in the way that feels authentic for you. Exactly. Otherwise it's not going to (laughs) work. And sometimes it's it's authentic to you, but it feels difficult because if you're more quiet or meek, it's going to feel difficult to speak up. But if you can understand that, that that difficulty, that conflict is really coming from a place of not feeling safe and secure, that safety and security is a mindset. So you get to change that and you get to say, hey, I am safe and secure in this. And so I can speak up. And that gets you from a place of what could feel like unhealthy conflict into that place of healthy conflict. Yeah. Yeah. That whole mindset of I need to accommodate other people because I need to be nice. Right. Definitely shifts when you look at it and say, they need to hear what I have to say. Absolutely. And it's a subtle, but a really big change. Yeah. I just love how you have given and given and given, because not only do you do that as part of your whole work ethic and the way you are living life and balancing so many different pieces together, it's kind of hard to, it's mind boggling, actually. You in your book and everything else, you have shared a number of life lessons for the audience. If you were going to pick out a couple like highlights of life lessons to share with our women in tech audience, what would you share? I think the biggest life lesson that I've learned is kind of what I mentioned earlier about really getting to know who you are so that you can give through your strengths and you can learn to receive through your weaknesses and you can serve through your fears So that's one of the biggest things I live by. One of the other life lessons I live by is be the change you want to see in the world. So if you see something you want to change, how can you purpose to, to be that instead of worrying about being somebody else? You know, that's, that's the beauty of having so many different types of people in this world is we don't have to, I don't have to be you, you get to do you really well. And I get to do me really well. And so to be able to focus on that, because if you focus on that and you can really be who you're wired to be, and show up in that area of strength, the opportunities will come, the successes will come. It's when you try to not be somebody who you're wired to be that that you end up running into failure. So just I think really just be finding your authentic self would be the kind of the second thing I live by. That's uh, such important advice. In fact, I do a little exercise with people when we do workshops, which is I have them walk around the room once as themselves. Oh, wow. And then I have them be yourself, walk around the room. Second time around the room, I say, whatever that energy was, whatever you embodied, walking around the room as yourself. Next, I want you to walk around the room as the opposite of what you just were. Love that. And the third time they walk around the room, I want them to be completely neutral. And then when we debrief on that, what's so interesting is this, that they say the second time they walked around the room when they were trying to be something that they weren't, 
it took about 50% of their energy in order to try to figure out what they were supposed to be. And I was like, well, welcome to corporate America. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what we do. Yeah. So it's no wonder. I mean, if there's anybody listening out there who, if you feel like this is you, like you are feeling like you need to fit, but you don't know how to fit. It's a little bit of a feeling like being outside the huddle and you can't figure out how to get in the huddle. You are not alone. <laughs> there's just so many people who are struggling with finding that authentic rock solid, unshakable confidence in who they are, and then just being willing to show up as that and push back against the conflict that happens in the workplace that tries to push you into a mold. You know, I think that's a real common reason why women are leaving the tech industry. And we need to change that. Women are needed in all industries, but especially tech industry. Yeah, yeah everywhere. But definitely our voice is really needed. It's different. It may create some conflict in a male-dominated environment, but that makes it all the more important. So thank you for all of this. This has just been a gold mine. I am going to take notes again as I go back and listen to the whole episode. And I appreciate you so much, Michelle, for coming on the show and sharing this perspective. I wish you all the best in the future. I'm excited to see everything that you do. And are you going to write another book? Do you think? I've got several envisioned. The next book will be The Unstoppable Organization. So it'll take the same individual change transformation model and apply it to accelerating growth in business. Oh, well, excellent. Well, let me know. I want to see that when it comes out. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again. And we'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thank you. Have a great day. 